Amen. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 is where we'll be. Verses 3 through 14 is going to be our text this morning. Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 14. It can be found on page 1162 if you're using a pew Bible. Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 14. This is what we read. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Thus far the reading of God's holy, inspired an inerrant word. Dear congregation, uh, two Wednesdays ago, I came home from church in the afternoon and I noticed down the road past my house a bunch of flashers from emergency vehicles. Of course, I, I, I had to uh, investigate. And so I drove down past my house to the north, and I saw sitting at the end of a driveway numerous cars and emergency vehicles and the Ottawa County SWAT team truck and a number of officers in tactical gear. If that wasn't exciting enough, at the end of the driveway, there sat several people sitting, in the gro- sitting on the ground in handcuffs. It was quite the to-do and certainly not something I expected to see less than a half mile from my house on a Wednesday afternoon. Now, the truth is I, I probably shouldn't have been all that surprised because the house being raided here was the same house we had trouble with last fall. You may remember a story I told you last fall about a young girl showing up at our door early one Saturday morning, telling us, and certainly looking as if she was correct, telling us that that she had been drugged and sexually abused the night before, and that whole experience was 
for us very, very disturbing. And it was also connected with this house. So we, we've had problems in our neighborhood with this house before, and, and the cops have actually raided it before, uh, but it seems that the, the, the people came back, and the drugs came back, and the problems came back, and the cops too, a couple weeks ago, had to come back. Now, none of us knew the reason for the bust two Wednesdays ago, but a couple days later, there was a, a press release. I read it on Wood TV8's website. It, it told of a man who was arrested uh, in Olive Township near the corner of 104th Avenue and Blair for armed robbery. He had apparently held up some other people at gunpoint and stolen from those people, and the police raid was connected to that. But as you can imagine, drugs and a whole bunch of other things were also connected to that. Uh, anyway, why do I tell you this, this story? Well, I tell you this story because it reminds us of a truth about this world we live in. And the truth is, this world is a dark, dark place. Here in West Michigan, we can do pretty well at insulating ourselves from this reality. That's certainly why West Michigan is a desirable place to live, and that's certainly something we should thank God for, but it doesn't change the facts. This world is a dark place, and even here in West Michigan, we get loud and clear reminders of that from time to time. Now, the Bible is clear, isn't it? Christ is the solution to this darkness. Christ is the solution to this darkness. When Isaiah tells us of Christ's coming, he does it this way. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light on those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. On them a light has shone. When John introduces us to Jesus in his gospel, he does it this way. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness and the darkness, excuse me, has not overcome it. And even Jesus acknowledges this truth about himself when he says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the solution to the darkness that exists in this world. Now that said, we, we shouldn't forget how things are now. You see, after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven, the Bible tells us that his light shines in this dark world through believers. Christ's light shines in this dark world through you and I, in such a way that Jesus, who is the light of the world, can say to us in Matthew 5 what? Can say, you... You are the light of the world. And certainly, in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is picking up on this truth. Notice what he says, notice the command he gives us at the end of verse 8. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. 
This morning, we're going to dwell on this command. And we're gonna seek to understand this command thoroughly that we might obey it in service to Christ. To do that, we're gonna, we're gonna look at four aspects of this command this morning. First, the powerful motivation. Second, the clear instructions. Third, the important function. And then fourth and finally, the rousing summons. All right? We'll note all of those again as we work our way through the text. But first, the powerful motivation. Look at the reason Paul gives us to walk as children of light. We see it in verse 8. He says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Paul there in verse 8 is describing the great change that is brought about in the believer's life at conversion. And we've seen Paul do this before in Ephesians. We we see him do it in Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, Paul describes the great change of conversion in terms of death and life. That's where he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive with Christ. Here in Ephesians 5, Paul is describing that great change again, but this time he's describing it in terms of darkness and light. He says, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, what's noteworthy here is how Paul speaks about our relationship to the darkness. Notice he doesn't say you were in darkness, although that's true, although that's what Isaiah actually says. That's not what Paul says here. No, Paul says you you were darkness. And Paul's point is that that sinful man is to blame for the darkness in this world. Paul's point is that sinful man is the problem. His point is that the world is a dark place precisely because sinful man is in it. That's his point. In our neighborhood, rough neighborhood Borculo, obviously, I asked Ryan why he can live in Drenthe and I can live in Borculo, and Borculo's looked down on, and Drenthe is like the premier place to live. Like, they're the same distance from Zealand. Now I know why. Anyways, in our neighborhood, um, we often blame that house for the problems in our neighborhood. Um, I've heard it said, you know, I wish someone would just burn that house down. And the implication is, right, if the house is gone, then then the problems in our neighborhood will be gone. That's that's the implication. And yet, I think Paul here is reminding us, isn't he? The The house isn't to blame. The house isn't the problem. The house isn't the darkness. It's the people who are using that house who are the problem. It's the people using the house who are the darkness. Sure, burn the house down and our neighborhood can feel safe, but the darkness, it's just going to go somewhere else. The house is not the darkness. Sinful, unbelieving man is the darkness. 
And of course, you and I, <laughs> you and I were, were, were the darkness. You and I were the problem in this world. We, we were to blame for the sin and the suffering and the heartache and the evil. We, we were the ones who caused people to say, wow, this world is a, is a dark place. But thanks be to God, Paul says, we're not anymore. Look what he says next. But now you are light in the Lord. Notice again, he doesn't say you're, you're in the light, although that's true, and although that's what's said in other places. No, here he says, in the Lord, you are light. As I thought on this this past week, I was reminded of a, of a young lady whom I got to know uh, early in my ministry, she would occasionally show up at church, and uh, whenever she did, she looked wretched and miserable. Her, her face was angry. Her body, it was, it was thin and sickly. She smelled like marijuana. She, she radiated darkness. That's how I describe her. But something hard happened in her life, and during that time, God's people ministered to her, and as they ministered to her, and as she went through this hard thing, something, something changed. She had come to church sporadically, now, now she was coming regularly. Her face became, became pleasant. Her, her body gained weight, and, and, and looked, it looked healthy, and it looked strong. We stopped noticing the smell of marijuana. And lo and behold, she, she asked to join the church. And she expressed a desire to make profession of faith and have her children baptized. And she came before the elders and she gave a beautiful testimony of God's mercy and grace in her life. When she walked out of the elders' room, the elders could not get over the change they saw in her. She looked different, we all said. And she did. She did. Now, I described for you already something of how her experience changed, but more than anything, I described the change in her experience this way. Before, she radiated darkness, but now, she radiated light. Indeed, I would have said at that time, she is, in some fascinating way, light. Friends, this is, this is what happens in conversion. This is the change that God brings into the hearts and lives of his people through Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to know that this is the change God can and will bring into your life through Jesus Christ. If you'll humble yourself before Jesus Christ as the poor and needy sinner you are and receive by faith his free gift of mercy and salvation, you too, you too right now will go from darkness to light in the Lord. This is the change 
that God brings about in the hearts and the lives of his people through Jesus Christ. It's not some abstract change. No, it's a real, a real change. And of course, it's this change and transformation which God has brought into our lives if we're really truly in Christ that serves as the powerful motivation to walk as children of light. Why am I to walk as a child of light? Why are you to walk as a child of light? It's because God has brought us from darkness to light. That's why. What other motivation do you need? If that doesn't motivate you to walk as a child of light, it's probably because you're not in the light. You're still in the darkness. All right, that's the powerful motivation. Second, let's notice the clear instructions Paul calls us to walk as children of light. He then tells us how to walk as children of light. And he sets before us three primary instructions to follow as we walk as children of light. The first instruction he gives us is this, bear the fruit of light. Bear the fruit of light. We see this in verse 9. Here Paul writes in parentheses, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Now Paul's words there remind us of what he says in Galatians 5. In Galatians 5, Paul sets before us the the fruit of the Spirit. But before he sets before us the fruit of the Spirit, he tells us to walk by the Spirit. And of course his point is clear. We walk by the Spirit by bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Here, he does something similar. He tells us to walk as children of light, and then he sets before us the fruit of light. And again, the point is clear. You walk as children of light by bearing the fruit of light in your life. Now, the fact that goodness and righteousness and truth are here described as the fruit of light reminds us that we don't walk as children of light in our own strength. No, we walk as children of light in the strength that Christ provides because the word fruit implies that these things are produced in us. That's what fruit is. Fruit is is produce. And the word fruit here implies that by virtue of our being united to Christ by faith, and by virtue of having Christ's light within us, these things, goodness, righteousness, and truth, will naturally grow and be seen in our lives. But make no mistake, even as Christ does produce these things in our lives by his light and by his Holy Spirit, the child of light will be determined to bear this fruit in his or her life, right? I mean, I mean when, I, when I'm interacting with someone, especially when I'm in a bad mood or, or when I'm angry or when I'm consumed by my own cares or, or maybe when I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm being selfish and I, I don't really want to hear what they have to say, I don't want to take the time to listen to them, right? I, I often, when I'm interacting with people, have to remind myself of the fruit of the Spirit. I have to remind myself that I am called to exhibit and to manifest and to bear in my life goodness and patience and kindness and gentleness and so on and so forth. And I will say 
that the simple act of reminding myself of how my life is supposed to look as one filled with the Spirit has been helpful to me in having my life look like it's supposed to. And so it is here, okay? The one who is called to walk as a child of light should continually remind himself or herself of how their life is supposed to look as a child of light. The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Goodness and righteousness and truth are to characterize your life as a child of light. The second instruction Paul gives us to walk as children of light is to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We see that in verse 10. And the word, the word discern means to, to, ju- to judge or to, to choose well. And that's what Paul is instructing us to do here in verse 10. He's saying that we walk as children of light by, by, by choosing what is pleasing to the Lord. That is, we walk as children of light by, by seeking to obey God's word in any and every situation. The one who obeys God's word is the one who is choosing what is pleasing to the Lord. And so, and so to walk as children of light, we must, we must constantly be asking ourselves the question, what is pleasing to God in this matter? What would God have me do in this matter? What does God's word say about this matter? And so let's say, let's say someone at church does something that really rubs you the wrong way. I know that never happens, but let's just say it happens, right? Someone at church does something, it really rubs you the wrong way. It makes you kind of angry, right? The temptation when that happens is to go, you know, maybe talk about this person behind their back. Uh, the temptation is to, to get back at them in some way, shape, or form. But the question you must ask yourself is, is, is what is pleasing to God in this matter, And once you ask yourself that question, you realize quickly that you now have two options. Either you confront this person and you show them their sin and you tell them how they hurt you, or you bear with this brother or sister in love and you let love cover a multitude of sins and you go on with life. Every situation is different. It takes wisdom, but that's the sort of thing that those who walk as children of light do. They continually discern what is pleasing to God. Now, I don't think it's surprising, is it, that the way we walk as children of light and the way we radiate the light of Christ in this world is by walking in the light of God's word. All of these lights, all of these lights work together. Well, the third instruction Paul gives us is to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. You see that in verse 11. Now, this is simply a reiteration of the point Paul is making at the beginning of our text in verses 3 through 7. In verses 3 through 7, Paul tells us that we should have nothing to do with the sexual sin and greed covetousness he calls it, but it's greed of the unbelieving world. In verse 3 he says, but sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. And then in verse 4 he essentially says, I'm serious, you're not even to joke about these things 
All right, filthy and foolish talk has no place among God's people. And then he tells us why in verse 5. It's because those who do such things, those who practice such evils, those whose lives are characterized by sexual immorality and impurity and greed, they have no part in the kingdom of Christ and God. And he takes it even further. In verse 6, he says it's because of these things that the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. All right, sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness, these things kindle God's righteous and holy anger. And when his wrath is poured out on sinners at the end of the age, it'll be because of these things I just mentioned, Paul says. And then in verse 7, Paul makes the obvious application. He says, do not be partners with them. Do not be partners with those who do these things. And now in verse 11, he reiterates the point as an instruction for how we walk as children of light. He says, children of light are those who have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. And that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It makes perfect sense. I told you about the house down the street for me. Drugs, robberies, sexual abuse, a terrible dark place. And now imagine that you heard through the grapevine that Pastor Dirk was spending three to four nights a week there. That'd make you a little bit concerned, wouldn't it? That, that, that'd, be, that'd be problematic. Because what fellowship does, does light have with darkness? None. Either you belong to the darkness or you belong to the light, but you don't belong to both. The one who walks as a child of light takes no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Back in revolutionary America, so 1700s, late 1700s, there was a person in the church called an exhorter. An exhorter. It was a separate position from the preacher. But the exhorter had a particular task in the congregation. After the preacher got done preaching, it was the exhorter's responsibility to specifically apply the message. And that means that after the, the church service on Sunday, the exhorter would go up to somebody from the congregation and he would say something like this. Now, Mrs. Jones... In light of what we heard this morning, this means you're, you're going to have to change the way you raise your children. Or, or Mr. Smith, in light of what we heard this morning, this means you're going to have to, you're going to, have to change the way you do business. That was the exhorter's job, to apply the preaching of the word specifically to the people's lives. Now, we don't have an exhorter. Actually, that's that's my job. We do it a little differently. I'm not going to hunt you down after the service and tell you specifically what needs to change in your life in light of what God's word says this morning. But I am going to ask you right now, what needs to change in your life in light of what God's word says this morning? Because the fact is, I'll bet each and every one of us can find a place in our lives where we have at least a little bit to do 
with the unfruitful works of darkness. Maybe we've got, I have friends who have this and they're Christians and I, I, I guess I should tell them to listen to my sermon because I'm talking to them. Um, maybe we've got one of those gambling apps on our phone and we can bet on college football games as they're happening. And you know, it doesn't, doesn't seem like that big of a deal, a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there. But hello, <laughs> you're, you're, you're having something to do, aren't you, with the, with the, with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Maybe we're watching a show right now on Netflix. And yeah, it's, it's dark and it's raunchy and it's vulgar, as many of those shows are. It celebrates everything which kindles God's wrath. But you think, you know, it's, it's harmless. It's just a show. I'm not doing those things. I really like the plot line. But what are you doing? You're, 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 you're taking part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Maybe it's even worse. Maybe it's even more blatant. Maybe you're into pornography. Maybe you're, you're sleeping with someone who isn't your spouse. Maybe you just love money and you spend your days thinking about how you can get more for yourself. I don't know. But don't, don't fool yourself. It's because of these things that the wrath of God is coming. And those who walk as children of light... They take no part, no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Well, let's notice third, the important function. Right, so we had the powerful motivation, the clear instructions, now the important function. In verses 11b through 14a, Paul sets before us an important function that is carried out in this world by those who walk as children of light. And that important function is this. It's the exposing of the unfruitful works of darkness. Do you see that in verse 11? The first half of verse 11 says we're not to take part in the unfruitful works of darkness. The second half says instead we're to expose them. Interestingly enough, the word translated expose there is the same word used in John 16, 8 to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. There in John 16, 8, we're told about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The word translated convict in John 16, 8 is the word translated expose here in Ephesians 5. And so essentially then, Paul is saying that our job as children of light is to help people see sin for what it is. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he convicts us of sin. He helps us see sin for what it is. He helps us understand that our sin is wretched and vile and worthy of God's wrath. Now in verse 12, Paul tells us, Paul tells us uh, uh, why we must expose the deeds of darkness. We must expose them because they are so wicked that it's shameful even to mention them. That's why we're to expose them. Actually, just sort of experienced this when I was, when I was applying the previous point and, and I said, maybe you're sleeping with someone who's not your spouse. Like that, that was even hard for me to say. That, that's hard to say. It's shameful even to mention 
the things that are done in secret. But Paul says that's, a, that's, why, we need to, that's why we need to expose them. Because the people of this world need to see the fruitless deeds of darkness for what they are. Now the question is, how, how do we expose the fruitless deeds of darkness for what they are? Well, Paul answers that question in verse 13. When he says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Do you see how we expose the fruitless and shameful deeds of darkness? We do it by bringing them into the light. Do you understand how we bring the deeds of darkness into the light? We do it by walking as children of light. One commentator says the meaning is that the Christian, by a life so essentially different from those around him, is to expose their sins. Essentially what Paul is saying is this. You, you want to know what makes sexual immorality ugly and wretched and heinous? You want to know what helps others see that sexual immorality deserves God's wrath? It's a Christ-exalting marriage. It's a wife who submits to her husband as the church submits to Christ, and a husband who in turn loves his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When you put the darkness of sexual immorality next to the light of a Christ-exalting marriage, whoa, it, it, people begin to see the darkness and the wickedness for what it is. You want to know what exposes greed as something that is disgusting and condemnable for all to see? It's generosity and sharing with those in need. You, you want to know what exposes filthy talk for what it is? How about talk that is good for building up and that gives grace to those who hear? Do you get it? When, we, when, you, when you walk as children of light, the darkness of this world is slowly but surely seen for what it is. And so what we learn here is that, is that while it is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone who convicts a person of their sin, the Holy Spirit will use a child of light to do that. That is the important function of those who walk as children of light. Now the fact is, some people will hate you for exposing their sin. Don't forget what they did to the light of the world when he came and walked among us. They nailed him to a cross. They killed him. They hated the light. They, they didn't want to see the darkness and the truth of the darkness. People might hate you and people might persecute you for exposing their sin. They might, but others, others might come into the light themselves as they repent of their sin and trust in Christ. And this, this seems to be what Paul is saying in the latter part of verse 14 when he says, for anything that becomes visible is light. On two occasions that I recall, one recently, one some years ago, 
a Christian told me a story about a time when an unbeliever came up to him and said, I've been watching you, and I can see you're different. And I, I want what you have. Sometimes people will hate you for exposing their sin. But other times, by God's grace, they'll come into the light themselves. This is the important function for us in walking as children of light. Finally, very, very quickly, let's notice the rousing summons. At the end of our text, Paul draws on language from Isaiah 26 and Isaiah 60 to call all of us more fully out of darkness and into the light of Christ. Commentators, because this is what they get paid for, debate about whether or not Paul is speaking here to, to believers or unbelievers, right? They, is he speaking to believers whose sin, or excuse me, is he speaking to unbelievers whose sin has been brought into the light and are now aware of their need for Christ? Or is he here speaking to believers who still flirt with darkness and therefore need to be urged to walk more fully in the light? That, that's the question commentators ask. In my mind, it's a foolish debate. God's word is summoning all of the above. God's word here is summoning all who need to hear it, all who dwell in a land of deep darkness and are called to be children of light. And so I just invite you to listen, to listen to the summons for yourself. This is how Paul ends this section. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Indeed, may Christ's light shine on us and through us in this dark, dark world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. And yet you tell us that because of our faith in you and because of our union with you, we too are the light of the world. And so we ask, Lord, that you would help us to walk as children of light. We ask that you would help us to live lives which by your grace expose the unfruitful works of darkness and cause the people of this world to see them for what they are and so turn and be saved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.